What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Awesome. We had such a great weekend. If you're new here, this is the first time you've stepped in the door and you didn't know that it was kids weekend. We'll try to fix this for you real quick. Sorry, it's not used to me being up here. Um, so it's kind of mad at me right now. But hey, if you're just walking in the doors, uh, or if you're watching online and you had no idea that you just stepped into the middle of kids weekend, we're still so excited that you're here with us. Um, we have had such a blast this weekend, and uh, we're just going to continue having a blast this morning. I think we already have had a, a pretty good time. And so I just want to first, before we even continue, just want to give a huge shout out and applause to all of our amazing volunteers who helped out this weekend. And I can't help but to give an extra their crews. They led all weekend kids. I, uh, I was telling somebody this morning, um, I can't help but like beam with pride uh, when I see y'all volunteering in that way. And it just makes me uh, so stinking happy uh, to see you guys leading uh, lead our teenagers, leading our kids. That's such a big deal. And um, our kid, we have volunteers that serve every single week in kids, and they're always pouring in uh, to your kids. Um, and it, it's just so great to have a, a group of volunteers that are willing to do that. And um, I, I, I can't help but give them that shout out, but at the same time, I, one of my favorite things are family services like this. I absolutely love family worship services. And I think that these services can kind of help us uh, be reminded of a few things. Um, it can help remind us that, that the kids are the part of the body. We're welcoming in, them in here because they're a part of the church body. They're, they're here with us in that. Um, it, it can help remind us that, hey, we can be examples for them. We, we get the opportunity to be examples for the kids when they're here in, with us in the way we worship, in the way we talk about Christ. It's also great because I'm going to switch mics here, I think. Here we go. There we go. Okay. Sorry about that. Technical difficulties, no problem. But hey, I, I'm excited to have the kids in here because like I was saying, um, it's, they're part of the body. And if they don't feel like they're part of the body, what happens when they graduate high school? What happens when they move out of your house? We want them to own the fact that they're part of the body of Christ. And so I think that these family services give us such an opportunity to be reminded of that. Um, it's also exciting to me because, like I was saying, like we get to be examples. They get to see us be examples in the way that we worship, in the way that we talk about Christ later together. Um, it, it opens up opportunities for conversations that parents can have with the kids. And it, we just felt like this was such a great week to kick off a new series called The Village. And so I know immediately you're like, is this like that M. Night Shyamalan movie? Are we gonna, is it going to get really creepy in here? Uh, no, it has nothing to do with that, so just kind of wipe that out of your head. I'm sorry if I just put it in your head. Um, but no, it has nothing to do uh, with that movie. Um, it, it's really just a reference to the phrase, it takes a, raise, it, it takes a village to raise a child. And um, we, uh, 
as Pastor and Kyle and I have just had this idea of village on our heart, um, and I started doing some research into what, a, what that phrase even really means and where it comes from. Uh, and in case you're wondering, there's no real track to where it comes from, except for that it's an old proverb from like communal societies in actual villages. <laughs> Uh, what can we say about a village? We know that a village is a communal, communal society that shares beliefs and worldview. And I think it's really, really big that we point out the fact that they share a worldview. The village must share a worldview to be a village. We have to be able to believe that in the same things. We have to have the same uh, compass guiding our lives if you want to be a village. So if you're a village out wherever and you don't have the same beliefs and same worldview, you're going to clash on everything that you do. And so when we talk about it takes a village to raise a child, what we're really saying is that we're a part of a communal society focused around one core thing. And we'll get to what that core thing is. I think we know what it is, but uh, I'm going to get there. Um, we live in a society that uh, is really, it, it's become popular to have this attitude of like, you do you, you, whatever you believe is fine. And really what this idea and this concept, it, it's really this word in kids, this is a word that you've maybe never heard before, so that's okay, we're all going to learn it together this morning. Uh, that word is called pluralism. And so, well, what is Pluralism. Pluralism is, is that idea of to each its own. It's that idea that what might be right for, you, for me isn't, you know, might not be right for you, so just believe in whatever you want to believe. It's that core principle behind the idea of live your truth, not the truth. We hear that all the time, don't we? We hear people say that all the time, just do you and we'll be fine. And so that really, that idea, idea can't coexist with Christianity. It can't coexist at all with Christianity. We have a God that is, it says in the scriptures, a jealous God. Did, did you, is, that's kind of a weird word, kids, to describe God, isn't it? That he's a jealous God? It, it sounds like you're not supposed to have jealousy. Well, well, what does that really mean? It means that God wants your love. God wants your heart. And God says that all through scripture we see him declaring the fact that he is the one true God. And so this idea of pluralism, this idea that we can just believe whatever we want to believe and we'll all end up in the same place, can't coexist with the faith that we have in God. First off, it's illogical in and of itself, but also it doesn't, God rejects that from the very beginning. In the very first four words of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God. And creation declares who God is every single day. And we see in the scriptures that it says God did it and God said that it was good. And if we believe that there's any way to the, like, it doesn't matter what you believe, you can all end up in the same spot. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it completely, uh, Christianity completely rejects that idea. And so I know that's a little heavy, kids, but like what I'm trying to really explain to you is that there's one true God and, and that's our God that we're worshiping that we sing these songs about. And if we're going to be a village that's going to be a communal society and share a worldview, that worldview has to be centered on the fact that we believe that the God that we serve is the one true God. 
that he is who he says he is and he's going to do the things that he says he's going to do. And if we don't have that core belief on this, I can't say to you that a village, it takes a village to raise a child because really uh, you're not going to, this village won't be teaching the same principles to everybody. So we have to first put our whole core of who we are and what we believe on who God says he is and believe that in the beginning, God... We have to believe that he is the one true God and we can put our faith in him. Um, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 6 and uh, this morning. And this is just such a great um, section of scripture just to really explain who, what, who God is and who, what does he mean? Like, what are we supposed to do with our kids? When we're talking about raising a children, we have kids week and we have all this fun together and we do it because we believe in the next generation. We believe that we're called to serve the next generation. It's the whole reason we have a kids department. It's the whole reason we have uh, the next gen department as a whole. It's the whole reason we do kids week and is because we believe that God cares about the next generation. But where do we find that in scripture? Well, we see it all through scripture. In Genesis, it says, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Why does it say that? Well, because God cared about the next generation even before the fall of man. Even before the fall of man, God had it on his heart for the next generation, for the next generation to worship God. That's our purpose in life is to worship God. And so, kids, God cares about each and every one of you. He cares about your life. And one day when you get big and older, and I'm sorry, parents, you don't even want to think about this, but one day when you have kids of your own, God's going to care about them, too. I know I see some wide eyes. You should see them up here. About, like, silver dollars up here. Nope, never having kids. Yeah, so one day when you grow up, maybe, you, get, you know, you get married and have kids, God cares about your kids in the future as well. So God cares about the next generation. We see that. And I want to focus real quick today on Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 5, and what God has to say about the next generation. So just to kind of set the stage of what's going on right here. So the, uh, the Israelites have made their way out of uh, Egypt. They have been, you know, wandering around, and they've just been given the Ten Commandments. So they've just been given all these commandments of how they're supposed to live, one of which is honor your father and mother, kids. Uh, that's one of them. <laughs> that's one of them. Um, and then, so it moves to this next scripture, uh, this next chapter, and it says this. It says, now this is the commandment that's, that uh, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God. Fear the Lord your God. You and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly. There's that next generation talking again. That you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, and the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, saying it again, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is another rejection of pluralism. This is a rejection of that idea that you can have other gods, that you can believe whatever you want to believe and we'll all end up in the same spot. No, our God is a jealous God. He says that there is one God. 
And so, again, if we're going to be a village that's going to be surrounded around the same worldview, we have to share that in belief. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And it goes on to say, and I, I don't know if you have it on there, um, so sorry about this. I know I said I wasn't going to call your name, Christina, but can you throw the next uh, set of verses up there? I didn't put them on. That would be 6 through 10, I believe. So sorry about that. Um, but, yes, yeah, so this is saying here, O Israel, like our God is one. Like this is the God of all gods. This is the God that we worship. And he's saying that as you go in and your son's son, as you multiply the generations, God is saying that it is important for you to have your focus on the one true God. And then he starts turning his direction towards parents and starts telling parents what they need to do in being a part of this process. And so I need a kid volunteer real quick to come up. Let's see. Hmm. Let me get Seamus. Can I have you come up here, please? Give it a round of applause for Seamus. Let me find this really quickly, buddy. And then, sorry for this awkward pause. All right, so Seamus, do you remember during the weekend, we learned so much about Joseph? We learned about Joseph. Do you remember that? Okay, do you remember what we did with Joseph? We dressed up Pastor Andrew like Joseph, remember? All right, so I want you to hold this for a second, and I'm going to need your help with that in just a minute. I'm going to continue reading. Do you have that set up? Are we good? On verse number six, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Parents, this is a call to us. These commandments, what we know about God, that the, God, that the Lord God is one, this is God saying to us that we have a responsibility. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. We can stop right there. So it says something interesting there. And so I, this is what I need your help for, all right? It says to impress them on your children, to bind them to your heads. So when I think about this, so I'm married. If, if you didn't know that, my wife's back there somewhere. And when I got married, I was given a ring, a ring that signifies and reminds me that I was married. This is kind of like binding uh, something on my head to say that uh, I'm a Christian, right? It's kind of like, I'm binding myself into my marriage. That sounds really, really bad. I'm glad I'm bound, just so you all know. But that, that, that's kind of what it is. It's a simple. It's, it's a, if somebody sees it, they know that I'm married. And God says in here that these commandments, these things that I know, they're supposed to bind them to their head. Why would they do that? They would do that. He says that to say, basically, this is stinking important. And so what I want you to do real quick is to hand me that. And I'm going to bind this to your head.
Good, you can have a seat. I'm going to just, the roll's just going to come behind you. Um, yeah, so I'm binding that to his head, and kids, that's just a representation. He's doing that because he's saying it's so important what you're doing. It's so important for this, for your children to know this. And so parents, this means that we have a responsibility. It means that the village must have parents that teach their children. Parents, uh, the village must have, children, have parents that teach their children. You have a responsibility not to just raise them up as good moral human beings, but you actually have a responsibility to tell them who God is, to tell them all about the, the plans that God has for their lives, to tell them what Jesus did on the cross for them. You have that responsibility to impress on your children. And thinking through this, uh, you know, Pastor Kyle and I have, again, talked a lot about this concept, and I really think it might end up changing the way we do kids' ministry to some degree, uh, still thinking through that process and working through that progress process. But what I do know, and this quote has just kind of been staying in my head, that the church needs to move out of being the biggest ministry for children and make room for parents to be the primary spiritual leaders to your children. So the church needs to move out of being the biggest ministry for your children and make room for you as parents. So what does that really mean? Does that mean we don't do kids' ministry anymore? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. It still serves a very big, big part in the ministry to your children. But what I am saying is that we want to give you more and more opportunities to lead your children spiritually. We want to provide opportunities for you to be able to tell your kids about who God is and what God has done in your life. The village should not be a replacement for parents. It should be support for parents. The village should gather together and bring up parents and give them the opportunity to pour into their kids. And in rethinking that and reframing that, I think it can do something in our hearts and our heads and our souls and the way we talk and think about what we're doing with our kids. I think it's really easy and I, I have a six-month-old, so I don't have a, a, a kid old enough to really start understanding any of this. Um, he understands how to cry really well. He's got that down. Um, but, you know, as he grows up, like, I, I understand it's my responsibility that I can't just pass him off to somebody else to lead him spiritually, but it's my job, and it's my wife's job. And we all, as parents, have that responsibility. And the village gathers around in support of that. Uh, in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus has this uh, conversation with the disciples. In, in Matthew 18, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, which one is the greatest? Which one of us is the greatest? It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him. And place the child among them. I need another child volunteer. Right there, Gavi. Or, um, sorry, Eliana. That probably happens all the time, right? He called a little, little child to him. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's such a strange thing to say, don't you think? Don't, you look up to older people, right? To adults. Why, why would they need to look at you? Why, why, would, why would Jesus say that? I think this is another example of Jesus making a point that the next generation matters. 
that he called a little child over to him. And all of this, while the disciples are bickering back and forth and saying, you know, I'm the greatest, you know, you're not the greatest. There's no way. I'm definitely the greatest disciple. Jesus says, forget everything you think about that, but instead understand that you must become like a little child. That's strange. You can have a seat. That's so strange to say when we really just look at it at face value. Well, what's Jesus saying? Children in that society, and really now, there's a lot of times we hear uh, a child should be seen and not heard. We see, hear that sometimes. I think Jesus is making a point that, um, that those who take a lowly position in society are the ones that, that, that are the greatest, to become like them. It continues uh, uh, reading, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jesus uses a child to make a point. And then after making that point, says to not hinder them from coming to him. He says that if you cause them to stumble, it's better to have a giant millstone hung around your neck and drown in the sea. He says that, that, that welcome them, welcome them in his name. The village must make the next generation a priority. Jesus is saying to welcome the children in his name. I had a friend of mine, uh, in, in, a friend of mine from college who's a, a pastor or, or was for a little while. And um, I heard him preaching one time and he said something that, that, that really just changed the way I framed the way I look at kids and babies being in a church service, for instance, uh, he's preaching and this baby just starts crying so loud um, and, and just screaming. And if you're a parent and you've had that happen with your baby, it's like immediate anxiety. You're like, oh my gosh, I got to just get him out of here. I'm distracting everybody. Like, and he called it in a second. He said to that congregation, I love hearing that baby cry. He didn't mean the pain of the baby crying or anything like that. He, be, he continued to say, when I hear that baby cry, I know that there's another parent here that cares about the next generation. That, that was the sound of the heavens singing in worship to God because somebody brought their kid to church, even if the kid was too little to understand, it mattered enough to them that they were still there with their kid. In an environment surrounded by other Christians, the village with the same worldview, and I think in that moment, he, called, he, he gave that parent some peace. Like, we, we have a nursery for a reason. Like, we don't want it to always be distracting here. There's some legitimate things for that. It's easier as a parent to, to listen and be a part when your kid is, you know, not crying in, the, in your arms while, while someone's preaching. But at the same time, like, we're just, we're just glad your kid's here. We're just glad you're here with your kid. It, it reframed in my mind the importance that the church has to support those parents. So if you're not a parent in here, if you're single, maybe you're married and haven't had a kid yet, maybe you're a grandparent, so you're a parent but your kids are grown, you know, we still have a responsibility for the next generation as well. Jesus says, whoever welcomes them in my name, in the name of Jesus, we welcome children. 
to his presence. Our job is to point them and direct them towards the feet of Jesus, to make those spaces for parents to lead and for us to have opportunities to pour in as well. What does that look like? I mean, that looks like all these volunteers, 25 volunteers this weekend pouring into your kids. That's what it looks like. It looks like student volunteers, so kids that are a little bit older, pouring in to those that are younger. It looks like uh, kids' church on Sunday mornings. It looks like uh, student church on Wednesday nights. It looks like those conversations that you have in the hallway where you say, Hi, how is it going? <laughs> like, how are you doing? Like, it's those conversations that we're able to have with kids and students in the next generation. It's all those little things. It's all the money that, and, and finances that a lot of you sacrificed to, to build our next-gen building to create space for them. It looks like not being stressed out when we were meeting in a tiny little room with 30 kids for years. It looks like all these different things. And it looks like giving parents the space to lead their kids and pour into them. Parents need support. They need prayers. They need prayers. They need lots and lots of prayers. It also looks like us not getting in the way of children from coming to Christ. So it says, it, it, it says in the scripture there that those that cause a child to stumble, some, uh, some translations say sin, it better be better for you to have a millstone around your neck and thrown into water and drown. Like it says that. And so it means not getting in the way of that. If a kid is wanting to know about Jesus and you don't know what to say, point him to someone who does. Like, we're not going to get in the way of kids who want to know about Jesus and who Jesus is. And we're not going to cause them to stumble. And by doing that, we're caring about the next generation. And we're going to move in just a moment. Um, because I know our kids are getting restless up here. Um, but we're going to move in just a moment towards communion. Every single week together, if you've never been here before, we gather together and take communion with one another. And we do this because we share that same belief, that belief in a, in, in a God who sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And then that wasn't the whole story, though. He then was raised again and ascended into heaven and gave us a responsibility to make disciples. So we're doing this all, when we take communion together, which, is, which, which we'll do in a moment, we do that because we share in that belief. And sometimes you might wonder, well, what is that belief? I just said it. And sometimes we wonder, well, what, why do you believe? Like, why do I believe? And I've thought, like, I know why I believe. And in thinking about putting it into words, like every time I think about putting it into words, it makes me believe even stronger in who God is and who Jesus is. And, and I was thinking about putting it into words today, and it's like, first off, the Holy Spirit has impressed on my heart so much in who God is and, and, and who Jesus is. And without the Holy Spirit, like, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, that is the Holy Spirit moving in my life and the lives around us. And then I thought about the logical reasons why I believe. Well, historians don't even deny that Jesus was here. They just deny in his deity. Historians admit that Jesus lived. And then we also see all these different disciples that walked with Jesus. They don't deny them either. 
And all of those disciples believed so much in who Jesus was that they were willing to die for Jesus. They lived their lives in total, 100% devotion to the next generation. Their reason for going and sharing the gospel, making disciples of all nations, was because the next generation mattered to Jesus. He said, go and make disciples. Why would he need to make disciples? If everybody that was on earth and in that area, was, if that was all that mattered, then there wouldn't be a need for that. But when he said, go and make disciples, what he was saying is that he cares about the next generation of people, the next generation that need to know about who he is. And so why do I believe? I believe because God sent his son to die sent Jesus to die. All these disciples believed it so much they were willing to give their lives in the process of making disciples of all nations, which was the next generation. We have such a responsibility for this next generation. And our parents, it starts with you. It starts with you. This village starts with you and your role in that next generation. And the village is the support. We are here to pour into your kid, to knock it in the way of what Jesus is doing, to make space for you to have conversations, to teach who Jesus is when we're given the opportunity to them. We have a responsibility as a church to care for that next generation. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.